All right, are you guys ready for the Word of God this morning? I think you were, but I'm not convinced. Are you ready this morning? Okay, that's what I like. That's what I like. We are in a series right now called Authentic, and uh, this summer we are going through the book of James, really pretty much verse for verse, and, uh, and, and the, the book of James uh, gives us a lot. I mean, there's so much content in this five-chapter book of the Bible about how to really live this life following Jesus in an authentic way. Uh, James um, is the author of the book of James, and James is the half-brother of Jesus because they don't have the same dad. Uh, so now that we got the basics out of the way, uh, James, he is writing this letter uh, to a group of Christians in the area of Jerusalem. James, um, as the half-brother of Jesus, he didn't really believe Jesus was the Messiah until later on in Jesus' life and ministry, really after his death, burial, and resurrection. James became an incredible, strong leader in the early Christian church amongst Jews in the area of Jerusalem. So he's writing this letter to Christians in the area of Jerusalem that have already faced a lot of persecution for their faith. That's why he opens up the letter and he says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds because it's, it's helping you. It's, 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 giving, it's giving you pers- a way to persevere and perseverance gives you hope. It makes you complete, not lacking anything. And so that's what we talked about in week one. We called week one the bench test of the believer. And we were in James chapter one, verse one through 18. And the bench test of the believer is suffering. That when we experience trials, when we experience suffering, it's, sometimes it allows us to see the areas in us where we need to increase our faith. And uh, many of us, we spend our entire lives avoiding suffering when scripture actually welcomes us to it. That God uses suffering in order to grow us, mature us, and make us complete and not lacking anything. If you really think about your lives, you think about areas in your lives where you have become strengthened, it's because it was, you suffered and had to get stronger. And, uh, and so we're thankful. We have to be thankful. Or James says, we have to consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds. And then uh, uh, week two, we talked about the perfect mirror. Uh, he says, don't be like the man that looks in the mirror then turns and forgets what he looks like. Uh, and his hair's all goofy and he didn't shave. Uh, but look into the perfect mirror, which is the word of God. The word of God will show you all of the areas of your life where you are unkept and ungroomed. And, and then uh, from that image, you now can make correctives in your life. And he says, get the filth out, James says. Get all the sin, get the filth out. And that's the ungroomed part of us. It's the sinful side of us, and we need the Word of God to be the perfect mirror to show us the areas we need to change. And then in the third week, we, uh, the title was, Me? Prejudice? Yeah, maybe, maybe, seriously. And, uh, and James talked about uh, how, a lot about favoritism and, and prejudice that we have. And, but ultimately, God says, listen, you guys look on the outside, but I look on the inside. I look at the heart. So that was a challenging message. And last week we talked about dying faith, that, it, that faith has to be accompanied with action, that the moment we placed our faith in Jesus, we were saved by grace through faith, not by works. So we're not saved from works. We, 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 don't, we, don't, we don't work for salvation, but we do work from salvation. That salvation was the starting line of our lives and we are now called unto something of greater purpose. 
It is not a, okay, I asked Jesus into my heart, and I'm just going to wait around to go to heaven someday. That is not what we're called to as authentic followers of Jesus. You are called to go to work for the kingdom of God. I need a better amen, and I need a better amen. Amen. And uh, we are to have faith and works and put together in action. And James says, show me your faith, and I'll show you mine by what I do. Faith without action, he says, is dead. So if we're lacking action with our faith, we have a dying faith. But a living faith is an active faith, and it is actually walking out the teachings of Christ. It is, it is living in the ways of our Lord Jesus. And so, that, I mean, that's, that's just a challenging portion of Scripture right there. And, uh, and how to put our faith in action. So all of these messages are always archived online, newlifeforkokemon.org, if you want to get caught up in the series, if any of that sounds interesting. If you missed one, you can jump in on do, and do that. And of course, all of my notes are online. If you have the Bible app, you can go to your, open up your Bible app, go to Events, New Life Church. All of the notes that you'll see on the screen tonight, or this morning, whatever, uh, it is in your phone. Okay, You can take notes and, and save them on your phone, all that good stuff. This morning, I want to talk about one small spark. One small spark. Maybe you've heard, maybe you remember Smokey uh, uh, the Bear. Actually, uh, I was corrected. It's not Smokey the Bear. It's Smokey Bear. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. I've always said Smokey the Bear. And Smokey the Bear, he has, you know, his popular saying, only you can what? Yeah, only you can prevent forest fires. And, uh, and, and the, the image of him dumping a bucket of water that's saying that, like, that basically we can prevent nine out of ten forest fires. You know, uh, it takes one spark to start a forest fire. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I know many of you uh, like to go and visit the Smoky Mountains in the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area. My family and I, we love to do that as well in the summer. And, uh, but I think it was like around 2016, there was a bad forest fire in the area of Gatlinburg in the Smokies. You can still see parts of Gatlinburg that uh, still have damage or areas of the forest that haven't quite grown back yet, where you see, you know, funny looking trees because uh, of what they suffered. They, they, they think, because they did charge some young people with causing that forest fire. The charges were dropped as, I don't know, red tape. I don't understand it. But anyway, it, was, it is believed that that forest fire in Gatlinburg was started either maliciously or negligently in some way. One small spark, one small flame can do a lot of devastation, and you can see it down there in those areas. And so I want to talk about how one small spark can cause an enormous amount of damage in our lives. And James is going to challenge us with how we, can, how we can spark and cause forest fires with our mouth, with the words that we speak. So we, James, in James chapter 3, verse 2, it opens up like this. It says, we all stumble in many ways. Amen? And anyone who is never at fault in what they, what? In what they say. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Wow. They are able to keep their whole body in check. So if you want to really, really perfect your life, you really have to perfect what you 
say. Proverbs says that the power that the tongue uh, has the power of life and death. That life and death is in the power of what you say. There's a great, great power in your speech. And, and James goes on in, in the third verse. He says, when we put bits in the mouths of horses uh, uh, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and itself on fire by hell. Wow. Something that seems so insignificant and small packs such a powerful punch. And I think that you would agree with what James is saying because maybe you have even seen people burn their lives down because of their speech. They burn their lives down with their negativity. They burn friendships because of harsh, harsh words. They affect their, their relationship with their spouse because of the words that they use in the tone they use. They affect their relationship with their children. Why? Because of how they talk. This is a challenging thing for us because it is so essential in the life of an authentic believer that people, they're watching us, they're, they're, they're not just watching us and, and observing us, but also like this, James says it, it sets the whole course of your life. Like, like, I don't know if we re sometimes really can comprehend that the whole course of our life can be altered and changed by how we speak. Proverbs says, from the heart, the mouth speaks. Remember the old song, the, the, the leg bone is connected to the knee bone, the knee bone, right? Well, the heart is connected to the mouth. And so many times you can really understand somebody by the words that they speak. From the heart, the mouth speaks. Hmm. So the first thing I want you to know is that the tongue is disproportionately powerful. It means that the power of the tongue is it, it's the relationship of its size to the relationship of its power is not proportionate at all. It is so small, yet yields such incredible influence and power. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. James likens it to the rudder of a large ship. 
how it steers the whole thing. He likens it to the bit in animals' mouths, that we can steer the entire animal. He likens it to a spark that causes a forest fire. Have you ever sparked with your mouth and started a fire? Are you married? Why are you laughing? If you're married, you have likely at some point in time sparked with your mouth and started a fire. Maybe at work you have sparked with your mouth and started a fire. And sometimes the reason a forest fire, so to speak, is set on fire by what people say is because maybe when you said that hurtful thing to them, they've been hearing it all their life. And they have a forest of offense in their heart that has built up over time, and just your one last critique was enough to set them off. The tongue is disproportionately powerful. Proverbs talks a lot about three things. Proverbs talks a lot about your money, your morals, and your mouth. And Proverbs says that you can, you can really take care of difficult situations well with soft answers. Because the, in the, mouth, the tongue has the power of life and the power of death. It is so disproportionately powerful that if you can really, really, really bring focus and attention to the words you speak, the tone by which you say it, you can begin to shift the course of your relationships and your life. It's life and death. It's life and death. James, he goes on, he says, uh, remember he says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Uh, I, I'm tr- I was trying to think of like, what sea creature? Well, I guess like maybe like Shamu. A, a turtle. I don't know. That's just coming to me. Random thoughts of your pastor right now. But this is what he says. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. Full, watch this, of deadly poison. And if you have ever spent, the, spent a day or, or a shift at work or had to share a car ride with somebody of this kind of deadly poison, it's exhausting, isn't it? Oh, man, you're like, afterwards, you're just like, I feel so down when you're around that kind of maybe negativity. Here's, the, here's another deadly poison of, of, of tongue and speech is that someone else's offenses towards maybe another, and they begin to just just unload on all of the offenses of their heart towards that person to you, it'll shift how you think about them too. This is gossip, and this is the toxic of gossip, that when I gossip, I'm spreading my toxicity into your heart, and now that person doesn't even have a fair chance at understanding the heart of the person they're talking about because their viewpoint has been skewed in some way. And I can't tell you how many times 
the offended person that is the toxic gossip, how many times that what they are offended about is an inner reality, but is actually not reality. It's an, just simply an offense that started with, they looked at me crooked, they said this. It was a misinterpretation of what took place that caused an offense, but now I'm spreading my toxicity, and now everybody is seeing that person differently. And here, you really want to know how you can handle your offenses you really want to know how you can handle that person in your life that you just, oh, you just can't wait to just unload, go to, go to my friend, go, go to my spouse and just blah, blah, blah about them? Here's how you fix it. You go to them directly and you have that conversation with them. Hey, I noticed that when I saw you at the grocery store, you turned a cold shoulder to me. You looked the other way as if I didn't exist and it hurt my feelings. Is there something I did to offend you? I can't tell you, 90% or more of the time, that person has no idea they did that. They have no idea. They had no ill intention, but it caused the sprouts of offense to spruce up in you. And then, out of that frustration, then we begin to talk and share, and it becomes this deadly poison. So if I can just help anybody today, maybe there's one person in your life that you're like, ugh, every day you just want to, I can't believe them. I know what they mean. I know what they said. I, I, and you're, you're presupposing their intentions, and they're always negative. Listen, you just need to go, and you need to talk to them. If there are real indifferences, then you need to work them out together. But maybe it's a misinterpretation of behavior that is causing offense in your heart. I hope I'm helping you. But if we can have more direct conversations with each other, if you can have more direct conversations with your family members, extended family members, you are gonna get free from this just pressure of, of offense, and you're gonna to begin to clear the forest. And then sparks won't cause fires in your heart. But also, you're gonna help stop forest fires by you sparking about that person to others. It's very, very helpful. So no one has tamed the tongue. That feels encouraging, James. Uh, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil of all kinds of deadly poison. Well, then I really just feel completely toast here if no one can tame the tongue. Well, there, there is some hope here. Uh, I'll share with that, you, with that you, with you in a minute. But just to show you just how awful the mouth can be. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah stood before the Lord. He's, and, and, and this is what he said in Isaiah 6.1. He says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. I, I mean, he, he's expressing just this powerful moment that he stood in the actual presence of God. I wonder what Isaiah's first response was to encountering the almighty, all-perfect, all-holy God standing in his throne room, in his presence, in his wonder. I, want, I just am curious, what was his very first human-type response? Well, this is what it was. In verse 5, he says, Woe is me. I am ruined why was he ruined? This is why. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among people of unclean lips. 
and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. His first response to being in the presence of a holy God was, my mouth is a world of evil. I'm undone. I am ruined by this moment, and I need to clean myself up. And how? By what I say. By what I say. And then watch what happens. What happens next? It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me, which is an angel, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You sin, you can sin with your mouth. So the second thing I want you to know is that your tongue needs to be redeemed. You need forgiveness. You you need to experience a repentance of your mouth. Repentance means to, to, yeah, receive forgiveness, but it means to turn away so if you, your, our mouths need a redemption, that means I'm turning away from that kind of speech. I'm turning away from that kind of talk. I'm turning away from gossip that is so toxic. We sin with our mouths, and sinful speech includes harsh and unkind words. Sinful speech includes lying. So to your tongue to be redeemed you have to turn away from lying and start telling the truth. Sinful speech could be exaggerations, false teaching, slander, gossip, hateful comments, dirty jokes, or selfish boasting. Pride of speech. Authentic Christians, authentic followers of Jesus, control their speech. Well, James said that the tongue cannot be tamed. Yes, which is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us. And guys, we have to be living by the Spirit of God. Being led by the Spirit is submitting the areas of our life to Him that are not always in our control, but relinquishing control of that. And we need the Holy Spirit's power to help us control our tongue. Authentic Christians work to allow the Holy Spirit to redeem and help them with their speech. Your tongue needs redeemed. And I'm willing to bet this morning that some of us need to have a moment with God this morning. And we need to ask for forgiveness from the Lord and maybe someone else And we need to repent of the sin of how we use our mouth. It is a destructive evil. And let me tell you, if you don't start changing it now, it will ruin and change the course of your life. It will. I'm not just making this up. Um, James is telling us, the Word of God is telling us, the inspired words of the Lord are telling us that your words will ruin your life. You have to change it. Ultimately, we have to go deep down in our hearts and repent. 
if from the heart the mouth speaks, then we need true heart change and life change that only can come by the help of the Holy Spirit. We need redemption. We need repentance. James continues in the ninth verse. He says, with the tongue, we praise the Lord, our, uh, our Lord and Father. And we did that this morning so beautifully, so wonderfully, so powerfully. We praise the Lord. And with it, we curse humans. Watch this. Who have been made in God's likeness. And out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives can, or, or a grapevine bear figs? Can IU be better than Purdue? Yeah. No! I mean, uh, speech, control the tame, tame the tongue thing. Well, neither can salt springs produce fresh water or the Colts any longer produce a Super Bowl. They just can't come from the same spring. So it needs redeemed. It needs redeemed. It needs redeemed. The third thing I want you to know is that if you wouldn't talk to God that way, then you shouldn't talk to people that way. If you stood in the presence of God and his train filled the temple and you stood before him undone in his holiness and perfection, presence and power, how would you talk? Because if you wouldn't talk to God the way you've been talking, then you don't need to be talking to people the way you've been talking. Because here's the thing. The people that we hurt with our words, it's not just people. They bear the very image of God. And so those that disagree with you politically, they bear the same image of God as you. And with our mouth we praise God, but then we curse people. Listen, we can disagree. We cannot get along, maybe, in some situation. But at the end of the day, I choose to honor the image of God in you. At the end of the day, regardless of all of the, there's, listen, there's so many things in our culture and world that want to divide us, even divide the church. But at the end of the day, can you honor the image of God on that person despite their political views? It doesn't mean that we're, and some people say, well, then we're just going to be soft on sin. We're just going to, we're just going to like, we're just going to, we're just going to go woke. We're not, if that's what you're getting from this, then, then it's apparent that there is a pride and heart issue that you need to deal with. What I'm saying is, is loving people with the love of God because it's his image on their lives, the very people that Jesus came to earth and took nails in his hands and feet and whips on his back to rescue the very person that you are slandering with your speech. 
The love of God is no less, no more for you or for them. And with our mouths we praise God and we curse humans that bear his image. In other words, when you curse people, you curse God. When you slander people, you slander God. Those are his children. That is his image on their lives. Whether you like them or not, at least agree that although I disagree with you, I will honor you and respect you only because I know who your dad is. It's the only reason. When I was a child, I grew up in a place called George Jr. Republic. It was a, a compound of the Delinquency Center for Juveniles. Um, I was not in trouble. Uh, I, my parents were social workers there. We lived on campus full time, and periodically my dad would go to the AD building or the administrative building where all like the people in suits and ties were and smelled like copiers, copier paper and stuff, I remember. And, and they had a break room there, and the break room had a pop machine. Well, I, as a kid, I mean, we never drank pop, and, and so my, my dad would go. He had a little mailbox thing he would check, and I'd go into that break room and start hitting all the buttons on the pop machine, praying to God one would fall out. <laughs> and sometimes one did. It took me many, many years into my adulthood that I realized that the times I went into that room and hit those buttons and the pop fell out, it was probably because my dad went in ahead of me and slipped 50 cents in or a quarter, whatever it was. But I always thought there was something like if I hit them all as fast as I can, one falls out. Uh, so, well, one day my dad, he has slipped into someone's office and was talking, and I slipped into that lounge. You know, employees only. You know, I'm nine years old, and I'm in there, and I'm banging on this pot machine. Well, then an administrator walks in, and I don't know if he thought I was one of the juveniles or what, but he said, hey, what are you doing in here? And I, you know, I did one of these. I was always afraid of doing the wrong thing as a kid, and I was like, ah, and I was frightened. And he says, you're Grant Galloway's boy, aren't you? Yes, sir. He goes, okay. Okay. There's donuts on the table if you want one. I'm like, really? You know, I was like, <laughs> I found favor. I was somewhere I shouldn't have been. But I found favor with this guy because he knew my dad. What if people that we encounter, even people we, you may disagree with, what if people can experience honoring and honor and respect from us? Why? I know your dad. I know your heavenly father. Actually, you kind of bear his image. So we're, we're at the end of the day, I can honor that. I don't honor what you say. I don't honor how you treat people or how you treat me. I can't honor what you believe in or what you stand for, but I can honor the image of God in you. So if you can't seem to honor the person, honor the image of God in, in them. Living as an authentic follower of Jesus, we have to rekindle the ability in us to see people through the lens of God that they bear his image. So I want to help you with something before we wrap up here. Because in America, uh, you know, we stand for free speech, right? Free speech. I believe that, that free speech in America, listen, I'm so proud to be an American. I, I'm proud of my citizenship in America. Um, I'm so thankful for free speech, thankful that we have it. 
But just because speech is free doesn't mean the speech won't cost you. It, it, you are free to say whatever you want. You're free to say it. God gave Adam and Eve the same kind of freedom. He went to Adam and Eve. He said, you are free to eat from any tree, but don't eat from the one in the middle of the garden. They were still free to do it, but if they chose to, it would cost them, and it did. So in America, we have free speech, but as believers, we need to remember this, that words cost. You can say whatever you want, but words can cost. We actually have free speech in America, praise God, but we don't speak freely. It costs. It costs us in hurt and pain. It disturbs relationships. It hurts the workplace. It hurts church community. Words cost. I mean, think uh, 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 um, Matthew 12, 36. This is what it says. Words of Jesus. But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Did you hear that? Jesus says, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Words cost. Not only do words cost, but words also cut. Words cut. Have you ever been cut by someone's words? People suffer real pain from the words that have been spoken over them. I have met people in their adulthood suffering from words that cut them when they were in adolescence. By the words of a father, a mother, a pastor, a leader, a, a kid that bullied them at school. Words cut. I think if we're all honest, we would all share stories about how words cut us at one point in our life. Proverbs 12, 18 says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords. So a lesson there, let's not be reckless with our words. It cuts people. Proverbs 26 says, Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death. Or think of it this way. As an active shooter is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. It is maniac, active shooter type behavior that causes hurt and pain to cut people down and then when you're called out on it, you say, I was just kidding, no. Get out a free jail card. I'm just kidding. He says, no, no, no. That is actually crazy because words cut. So words cost, words cut, but words are consequential. In other words, they have lasting real effects. There are lasting effects of words spoken. As I said, so many adults still suffer with things spoken over them in their adolescence. Um, a quick story a seminary professor was vacationing in this great spot of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And the seminary professor and his wife went and had breakfast at a local diner, and 
While they were there, there seemed to be this distinguished man with white hair moving table from table, visiting with the guest. The seminary professor leans over to his wife and says, I hope to God he doesn't come to our table. And then um, the professor leans over to his wife. Uh, I'm sorry. The man did, in fact, come over to their table. He said, where are you folks from? He said in a friendly voice. Uh, Oklahoma, they answered. Well, great to have you here in Tennessee. What do you do for a living? The professor replied, I teach in a seminary. Oh, so you teach preachers how to preach, do you? Well, I've got a great story for you. And the man pulled up a chair and sat at the table with the couple. And the professor groaned. The man continued. He looked out the window. He said, you see that mountain over there? Not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy that was born to an unwed mother. And he had a hard time growing up because everywhere he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey there, young man, who's your dad? He would hide at school and hide at recess. He would avoid going into the store to dodge the question, Hey son, who's your dad? Those words hurt him so badly, and, and one day there was a new preacher in town. And the, the boy made a habit of always coming late and leaving early at church to avoid the question of who his father was. But one day the preacher finished earlier than expected. Don't expect that today. And the boy got caught up in the rest of the crowd, and, and the new preacher uh, not knowing anything about the young boy, put his hand on his shoulder and he said, Hey, son, hey, who's your dad? The whole church grew quiet. They leaned in. The boy could feel everybody looking at him because they were hoping to finally know the answer to the question, Who's your dad? The new preacher discerned the situation and with the leading of the Holy Spirit he, he looked at that scared little boy and he said hey wait a minute I know who you are I see the family resemblance you are a child of God and with that he patted the child on the back and said these words son you have a great inheritance now go and claim it. The boy smiled for the first time in a long time and walked out the door changed and never the same again. And in the future, whenever someone would ask him, who's your dad? He would smile and say, I'm a child of God. The man got up from the table and he said, isn't that a great story? And the professor said, that really was. And as the man turned to leave, he said, You know, if that new preacher hadn't told me that I was a child of God, I wouldn't have amounted to anything. Then the professor and his wife were stunned. The man left. They called the waitress over to the table, and they said, Hey, do you know who that man was? 
And she said, well, of course, everybody knows who he is. That's Ben Hooper, the former governor of Tennessee. Let's stand and pray this morning. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you in this message today? Maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you need to change your words. To do so, you're going to need to have your mouth redeemed. You're going to need to repent of some things. Maybe ask for forgiveness of some things. Have a change of heart. Your words need to be redeemed. Maybe, uh, maybe more than your words, maybe your life needs to be redeemed. Maybe you've come here this morning and, and you would say, I've never really given my life to say I'm going to be a follower of God. Well, if you want to redeem your just your mouth, and you might as well just cleanse everything and receive forgiveness of all sin. Make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose to walk authentically with him all the rest of your days. And you can make that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life today and redeem it all. You need salvation. But maybe, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Well, maybe, maybe you need forgiveness for some words. And that can start right here, forgiveness from the Lord. But ultimately, maybe the Holy Spirit is showing you someone in your life that you have to go say, hey, I was wrong in what I said. And maybe you need healing from words that cut. And God can heal you and set you free from hurtful, cutting words that someone said. It doesn't need to linger over you any longer. So every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us, convict us, mark us, and change us. If you're here this morning and you say, I need redeemed. I need to surrender my whole life to God. And I've, I've, not, made, I've not made a decision to make this God thing my life, but I'm ready to, and I, I need forgiveness. I need, a new, I need a new chance. I need a new life. God, would you do that for someone this morning? And if that's you here today, if you say, I need a new start at this life, I'm ready to put God at the center of my life. I'm ready to follow him, make him my Lord. I need his forgiveness. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to just pray. You can say a prayer just like mine or in, in your own way, in your own heart. But it has to sound like this God, I'm ready. I've been running but I need help. I've tried my own way and it continues to fail. I'm ready to try your way so I, I surrender my life and God, I've made decisions I'm not proud of. I've said things I'm not proud of, but would you forgive me? I ask that I just need Jesus to come into my life, come into my heart, show me my next steps, help me in this life. I don't know all the answers to so all my questions yet, but I know that I have to start with you. Would you come into my life? Would you redeem it? In Jesus' name. And if you said a prayer like that, that changes everything. Changes everything. You've been redeemed. We're going to sing one last song together, and as we do, I pray that the Holy Spirit would show you areas of your life where maybe you need repentance and forgiveness from words spoken or words that have hurt. Let's sing together.
and allow the Spirit of God to show us where we need to change the most in the ways of our speech and our mouth.